It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes.
McDonald's didn't start because they wanted to make a million dollars. They started because they wanted to offer a quality product at a premium price right. to the everyday person. Now McDonald's, like, kind of still does that, but it's more like, how can we pump out bullshit at the lowest cost sure. to us? So, I mean, it's like, eventually, I mean, and what they keep kind of coming back to is it's like money is the root of all evil. I mean, everyone will agree uh, with that. Did you see the founder of the McDonald's movie? No, I, I haven't. No, I haven't seen God, it. God, it was a great movie because he just seemed, I mean, he was this, Ray Kroc was this milkshake salesman, right? He sold milkshake dispensers and... He got hooked up with the uh, the actual owners of McDonald's, and uh, he eventually he took it over. He became partners, and then he essentially—I don't want to say he swindled, but he kind of—I uh, mean, he franchised and did everything. He kind of took it from him, and then he—it was just interesting to see like he kind of was this this down on your luck kind of guy, and you were rooting for him, and then he. He, along the line, he just, it was, money got in the way, and it, it did something to his brain, and he just became a prick, and yeah. he just screwed over Everybody. a lot of people in yeah. the process. Like, he divorced his wife. He's just like, well, I've, I've grown past you, <laughs> and it's over. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. It was a... Great, you should get it if you get a chance to see it. Watch it, and Michael Keaton does a great job with it. Oh, so, that was the thing he was in. Yeah. Okay, I've heard um, about that. Un unfortunate story, and I'm sure you know Ray Kroc. I'm sure he did great things. You know, Ron McDonald House and all that money that he contributes. But it's just such a weird economy of like good and evil at the same time. It's a. Uh... But no, like it's it's been interesting, kind of like listening to a bunch of different podcasts, and I think the thing that has drawn me to doing a podcast is the fact that. Um, I enjoy talking, first and foremost. Um, but I enjoy, I think it's a thing that is gone now. Like, the only time really you ever see people talking to one another, and it's kind of hit or miss. And it's one of the reasons I love Mulligans, is because it's basically a black hole for cell phone reception. Like, oh, you go there, it? yeah, you pretty much can't get cell phone reception in there for shit. Why do you think that is? Uh, because it's a brick building, Concrete, and it's, yeah. yeah, it's a bunch of, it's... Bonker? Yeah, I guess. Um, which kind of sucks when you're getting an Uber, because you gotta go outside, and then you're like, I don't know if I got one, and right. there's been times, like, where it's like, I'm here now, and you're like, oh, shit, I gotta close out my tag. Because <laughs> um, you didn't think it went through. Right. But... I do enjoy the fact that Mulligan seems to be one of the few places when I go there, I don't see people on their phones. Like, people are playing pool. They're sitting there, like, at a small, like, like island-type table off the wall, off the, uh, like, off the wall. Yeah. Like, sitting across from each other, hanging out. Or you'll see people and be like, yo, hold on a minute, I gotta go see my friend over there. It feels like what, and granted, I'm only 33, but, like, I feel like I'm the last generation of people who, were like, remembers playing outside and like doing shit before yeah. phones like i remember getting a phone after i'd already graduated high school and being like okay like you can barely use this because like it doesn't have great reception and it costs a fuckload of money to use it and just being like oh okay this thing and just going and playing with somebody or like going to hang out with someone and just hanging out all day watching movies talking bullshitting whatever and i don't feel like people do that now and i'm just as guilty about being on my phone as everybody else but i right. think the the difference is some people could say, like, whatever you're looking up is, is horseshit. It's not relevant for the most part. But, like, I remember my wife getting on me about how I was on the phone during a long trip. And she was like, you're always on your phone. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was, like, on this tangent of, like, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if bees sleep. Because we have, like, big bumblebees in the end of our driveway in the okay. telephone pole. And so I was just, like, thinking. I was like, oh, I wonder if they sleep or if they, like, what they do at night or whatever. Because I was thinking about spraying the hive or whatever. Sure. So I was trying to figure out if there was a good time to go do it. And then she was like, oh, well, what did you find? I was like, well, apparently they don't sleep, but they go into, like, an almost dormant state. Yeah, and, they're, like, they're still yet. moving, but not a whole lot. Like, that's 
as close to sleep as they get. And she was like, oh. So, I mean, like, I'm that guy who will, like, sure. get, like, the dumb thing thing in my head. And I just go, huh. And then I, like, am looking. And then it's like, okay, like, is this, again, back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, is this bullshit? Let me look up a couple other sites and see what's go going on Go to the Google it. later and figure yeah. it out. So, but, uh. No, it's been kind of funny, like, in prepping for this, I've been listening to a bunch of your podcasts. Uh, <laughs> All worthless. Um, well, what's interesting, though, is, like, because, like, you went skydiving recently. Yeah. Oh, and boy. The, the interesting thing about that is, like, I've always wanted to go skydiving, but I'm, like, terrified of heights. Yeah. And I've always said, and I wouldn't have the same issue as you did having, like, someone completely, like, smaller than me strapped to <laughs> me. But I've always said, like, the only way I would do it is, like, I'd have to have, like, earplugs in. And then just, like, be strapped to the dude already. Be like, don't fucking say, like, oh, in three seconds we're going. It's just, like, fucking open the door and go. And then I'm strapped to you and it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, I wish it was that way. (laughs) Sure. Because too much for me, it was too much, like, I'm processing everything. And I'm staring out the window and I'm looking at it. And and I had the harness on, but then I had, we had to attach each other once we got in. Because the plane's so small and... Pre pre jump, I thought the plane was going to be big enough that we just get, we get to a, like a door and we're standing and then we just jump. Yeah. But it's more we were just sitting and then all of a sudden <laughs> I kind of I have to force my legs out the door and yeah. so my feet are dangling and then all of a sudden he's like, all right, on the count of three and we're just kind of like rocking and then and then we just fall and it was it was very weird and I uh, w- would I do it again? No, I don't think I would do it again. But uh, I'm glad I did it. I would encourage you to go do it. I can think of other things I could do with yeah. $300. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was the thing, too. When the guy was telling me, he's like, you ready to have some fun? Like, I never, I've never thought skydiving, jumping out of a plane would be fun. It's no. just not fun. It's a challenge, and it's yeah. adrenaline producing, but it's not fun. The whole thing. This I keep, is more fun yeah. to me. I was going to say, as, as, as you kept going on, and he was like, oh, is this fun? I'm like, I can think of a lot of other things other than, like, there's a reason your body tells you not to do this. Yeah. This is stupid. <laughs> this is dumb. Don't and then do it's this. like, yeah, and then it's like, you know, I think like the the alternative would and it's not the same and I know this it would be like just get one of those like wind tunnel things and do that and it's yeah. like, "All right, I got the experience." That would be cool. I think I think that'd be, be a lot better cuz you uh that was the best part for me was kind of like the the falling, the falling part. part. Yeah, it yeah. was the best part cuz it's weird like it, you just felt weightless. Yeah. And uh I mean you probably it's can't describe it unless you're doing it. Yeah, yeah I'm, you know the wind's coming at us, and I think there was there was a moment where I wasn't falling correctly because <laughs> we, we. I think were, that's such. I like. I understood that, but when right. you said that, I just laughed. I was like, "Lord knows, you can't fall yeah, correctly right. out of a plane." Because we, we were barrel rolling for a second, like because we were like going end over end, sort of, and we weren't supposed to do that because I wasn't reaching out or arching my back enough. And so once we did that, then it was fine. But. Yeah, it was very good. It was like he didn't give me. There was no equipment. I didn't have a helmet on. I didn't have. A that seems weird on. to me too. Yeah, cause I, I at least thought he would have given me a helmet. Right? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, think, thinking like I hit my head like coming out of the plane when we're falling, yeah. or like e- even in my brain too. I'm like, what if we hit like a bird, like a duck or a goose or something? I mean, away. happened to Fabio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> Fabio on the, on the on that roller coaster getting splashed by a goose, breaking his nose. I actually just saw something, and I don't know if this is fake, but it reminded me of the Fabio thing, surprisingly. Apparently a roller coaster hit a deer. What? And just coated everyone in the first like couple rows what? of blood. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if that's fake or not, but that's like 
kind of awesome wow. and kind of like terrifying at the yeah, same time. I can't. I would I like. Can't I've imagine seen being one of those people. Have you seen? I mean, living in Michigan, I'm sure you've seen a deer get hit by a semi. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah. Right? So I mean, yeah. it's like I assume it's gonna be like the same thing. Yeah. But like the scarier thing is like at least a semi, like the person's pretty high up yeah. and obstructed. Like those people are basically just you're just open yeah to get hit by whatever comes flying too do you think it was like a, a wooden roller coaster no it looked like it from the video one? like from the from the thing and i like i don't know like if it's one of those things where it's like oh here's like but you know like growing up on the east coast like i'm from delaware so it's oh. like going to like bush gardens and shit was always yeah. a thing we did like after school like yeah. after the end of the year and you know they got some of those coasters that go pretty yeah. low to the ground like on the tracks in the area they're in so it's like i could totally I don't know how a deer would get in there, but I mean, right. I, we've all seen animals get yeah. in places they're not supposed Weird to be. Things have happened. So it's like, who's to say like a deer couldn't get on one of those like low track things and kind of try to jump over it, not knowing what it is. Gross. And then just, you know, one of the like freak nature things where it's like, it just happened to be coming right as that was going right. and that happened. That's and it's gross. like, yeah, but what, I thought of the Fabio what, thing cause I was like, man, who, who would what, ever think to get hit in the face by a bird on a yeah, on, on a, a roller coaster. coaster? So it could happen, I guess, if you're or, uh, when you're parachuting. Yeah, I asked the guy too, because uh, I mean that's I guess it's his job. I was like, this is this what you do? And he had like three other jumps that day, and then I guess I did it on a Friday, and then he said on Saturday there were like 40, forty something. Yeah, and it just made me go like. And I can't imagine it's him doing all the jumps. Well, I was gonna say, how long? Like, how long was it from from le- like leaving the? I don't even. You said like it wasn't a tarmac, off. but yeah, yeah, like the, taking off on uh, and maybe twenty twenty five minutes from we're taking off to we're landing with the parachute. Well, even it, yeah, there's no way it's doing him because even just doing the quick math, even if you cut that in half, yeah, that's already like so twenty times. Because it would be two for an hour. Yeah. So, I mean, you're already at, like, uh, what, 10 hours right there just of yeah. 20 people? But it, it made me think, like, you were, he was jumping out of a plane, like, even if he just did it 10 times. Yeah. I felt just so worn out from one. And I, know, I mean, it was my first one ever, and, and I'm sure this guy, obviously, he's, he's certified and he's a pro. But I can't imagine what he feels like at the end of the day after jumping out just, like, 10 times. I feel like duty. Well, okay. So here's here's. It's funny you bring that up because I was thinking the same thing myself when listening to you talk about that. And something that I thought was interesting. So one of my first jobs ever was working at Deja Vu down in Kalamazoo, (laughs) and I started off as the door guy, and then eventually worked my way up to to bartender, filling your pop. Yeah. All right. So now being eighteen, like pretty newly eighteen, and going. And working at a place like that, a lot of people are like, oh, it must be the best job ever. Sure. And it's like, okay, like, and eventually it becomes the, the shitty thing where, like, everyone's like, this must be the best job ever. I'm like, do you have a girlfriend? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so do you like it when she bitches all day? And they're like, no. And I was like, now I'm also why that by, like, 20 or 30. Right. That's pretty much what it is. Like, the cool parts don't really outweigh the shitty parts. Because, yeah. or even think of your job where someone's, like, always, like, kind of bitching about something. But now it's make it, you know, exp- even sure. more. And then, like, you get you know rude people in all the time and it just it kind of sucks but the takeaway for me which was kind of interesting and i I actually looked at as a a valuable lesson was it taught me it kind of desensitized me to nudity sure so that was interesting and and kind of looking back at 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 a later age it's like you know when i started getting more into like dating and you know so forth it's like the whole like oh i want to see you naked like that kind of went away so Mm -hmm. it's like when you're just on a date or whatever you're like oh i'm just kind of enjoyed 
talking to this person. Right. The flip side to it, too, is it really did show me that there are all different kinds of women are beautiful in their own way. Like, you could have a tall girl, a big girl, a short girl, whatever. Like, there's something attractive about everybody. And a lot of people aren't going to probably walk away with that same those same things that I took away from it, but I definitely think looking back, like that's what it taught me. Like it just, it kind of gave me a different life set of skills that like the average person probably doesn't have. It's healthier. It's healthier I, I feel like it is maybe cause I don't know. But then like I've had people tell me that like, that I'm over sexualized because of it. And maybe like that's like something like that could cause like sexual deviances and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, Sure, I guess. Like, anything could cause anyone to do anything, really. Like, if you're going to use that set of rules. But what was interesting to me about thinking about that, sort of applying it to that dude, is it's like, okay, like, we were just saying, like, how jumping out of a plane is not a normal thing. Like, right. there's your internal everything's telling you, like, don't do this. This, right. <laughs> this right. is something could go wrong. You could die. At what point when you're, if you do that so often that you like you you just kind of shut that off like does that have a weird effect on someone maybe like where it's like okay like you're not really meant to like just do this all the time like if there's a, a negative repercussion of it somewhere whether it be you know the altitude stuff the, like you said you weren't wearing a helmet and i don't i think you said you had goggles but yeah okay goggles, so i mean yeah. it's like okay like if you're just going in shorts and whatever like is the air pressure and all that stuff that you're constantly putting your your body through on a day-to-day basis for you know 10 20 jumps a day for six months or whatever like what does that do to you yeah he was wearing earplugs okay i think he knew enough like (laughs) but he didn't offer you any fuck your ears so he knew and yeah i don't know it it almost makes me wonder I'm almost hesitant about it because if you become that comfortable with it, yeah. you almost take things for granted. Yes. And then I'm like, okay, like legitimately for me, it's like I need to interview you. Yeah. You're the guy in charge, but how are you doing today? Yeah. Right? Like, are you feeling okay? Have you packed this shoot okay? Like, yeah. this is going to go. And there's apparently there's always two. There's like a backup shoot and whatever. Yeah. yeah. But you're still just like, man, this is such a goofy thing. And I wanted to look at, like, who was the first person to, like, decide to jump out of a plane, right? Like, I think, wasn't it, like, Da Vinci, or it was some inventor, like, that created some sort of parachute or whatever to jump out of, like, hot air balloons? Well, I was going to say, I feel like maybe it would even maybe be, like, the Wright brothers out of necessity of, you know, trying to get their early aviation stuff going, like a a fail-safe if, like, oh, shit, (laughs) this didn't work. (laughs) Ah, that's funny. But people, people have now been sending me awful videos of no, jumps. No, like someone sent me one of like a guy who he had a seizure oh, on, no. on the jump, and they were it was like him and they were each doing individually, so it wasn't tandem, so it was like two dudes. But the the one dude had a seizure, like you saw him, he like seized up, and so the other guy had to like shoot down and dive, and he pulled the ripcord for the guy, and then he pulled his own, and you never saw the guy land like the video. But even on top of that, like, if that dude's seizuring, like you were saying, like, you can't, you, there's a certain way you gotta land, you can't just, like, land. Right, So it's like, if that dude's seizing up, it's like, okay, like, Yeah, it made me wonder, like, if he broke some bones when he landed. Yeah, for sure. If he he hadn't snapped out of the seizure by the time it was time for him to land. No, it makes me wonder if it was the altitude or something that got to him and, like, triggered something. Yeah. It just made me think, like, uh... I'm never doing that. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, it made me go, like, I'm surprised that they would let, like, an epileptic or whatever like do it on their own like you would think they'd it almost have to be like a tandem you know yeah just 
you know, but I mean, like they don't allow people to, who have seizures to drive. They're not le- legally supposed to drive. So. Yeah. And there, someone sent me another one. A guy who did a, uh, he did a, oh, what is it called? Like, not a land jump, but he jumped off like a very high oh, yeah, tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, freebase uh, jumping. Yeah, freebase. He did one of those. It's weird and, that the uh, same thing to use to, to talk about drugs is what you do when you're jumping off of a tall building. You probably need it. <laughs> well, this guy, his, his shoot opened but it didn't really do anything it didn't. for him oh i and think he, i've seen that <laughs> he let, he did it in winter time and there was a lot of snow and you just see him like land and you're like going, oh that dude's dead he's dead but they other people said like i guess maybe there was continuation of the video or news from it but apparently he lived because there was so much snow beneath this tower that he jumped from but I'm still like going, yeah. But he's still he's got to be fucked up. This guy's yeah. legs and internal organs have just been turned to mush. For what? Yeah, for for. I, and I'm not, I'm not a, that adrenaline guy. I, no. I don't I don't have a need to drive 200 miles an hour or whatever. You know, it's just. So I'm really surprised that I even jumped out of the plane. So whatever. But it's it's been kind of interesting to catch up on your your life and something yeah. that I think has been kind of interesting that and I feel like parallels to. I mean, as we're, as we're sitting in my office, like you can see oh. that I'm pretty big into music and yeah. between shows that, like this wall is all shows that I pretty much have done and booked and all of this is like shows I've been to and so forth. So you have, uh, is that kind of like a side life of yours is just like booking shows? It was. Um, <laughs> the problem, and I'm sure you can agree to this or attest to this with local comedy even, mm-hmm. um, there gets to a point where whether it be a national band, national bands actually are usually pretty surprisingly a lot easier to work with than local bands um and i don't know if it's just because like it's it's their day-to-day they know what they're doing they get in and get out and they just fucking they're they're be as easy as as possible and everything will be good but i got tired of dealing with local egos kind of have like realized like how similar comedy is to bands because i mean it's like you guys travel yeah like you went to ann arbor did a house show that's a very band thing to do (laughs) Um, yes it's a very band thing to do and i actually kind of was like oh man they'd be like because you were like oh someone was like oh we should start like a house show scene here and i was like i would do it like i've had bands play in my house like i had a hundred like last house show i did uh earlier this year 130 paid people at like 10 bucks a pop here Damn. So Did you get like noise ordinance problems. Or I've anything? never had a noise ordinance problem. It, like right. surprisingly, my basement keeps sounding really well. You could fit how many people down here? Uh, we fit 130 paid Jesus, people plus man. the th- three bands, so <laughs> about three or four people each, and then uh, like my wife and I and a few of our friends who were here. So I mean, you figured probably about 150 people total. What did you do with parking? Got the school. It was during oh, the summer, yeah, so like no one was right. there. Okay, and, yeah. 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 So. Uh, and a bunch of people carpooled and stuff like that. Like it was, it was pretty good. I can show wow. you footage when we're all done with this. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that's great. Um, but it was one of those things where was it worth the band's while? Yes, because like you know they were making the comment, and I had said this too to uh, the people that I, I didn't book the show. Like I basically housed just, it. Yeah. But you something. Were in the venue. Yes. Um, but something I had made the comment to them. I was like, you know what sucks is like. This is a great turnout. At ten bucks, like everyone's happy. Yeah. It's pro like they didn't ask, like, the band didn't ask for like a huge guarantee, but it was like the beginning of like their farewell tour, basically. Um and so I was like, the sad thing is it's a Saturday, this show's going on. I go, but I don't think if this was at like Pyramid Scheme or the stash, you wouldn't have even gotten half of this to come out. And it's not because the band isn't good or the local support isn't good. 
it's just kind of solely because some people are like, oh, I don't want to go to that venue. I don't want to pay this. And it gets weird, and I don't understand it, but it's like as soon as like you put someone in a, in a different kind of environment, all of a sudden now it's like it's almost like that freak show nature where it's like, well, I want to go see this because, like, well, that's crazy. Like when you were talking about the house show thing for your comedy, I was like, I think that'd be cool because instead of like – like how you were saying, like it was only like 15, 20 people, but they were attentive, they were yeah. appreciative, they were. I think that those twenty will get more out of what was going on that night than maybe three hundred people at like Doctor Grins. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's do much you more intimate and like, you it's can quality over quantity? And you, right. And yeah. I I a hundred percent agree with that. And there's always that weird thing of like, all right, maybe there's going to be someone on the show who eventually is going to do something. Uh, so it's got that niche stuff. It's very homey, and the guy who ran it is very accommodating. He's good with the people. He's good with the acts. It's a weird thing, though, of like, because uh, people, they, all the performers love it, and I loved it too. But I'm, I would, I don't want to, I'm not bragging, but it's just the reality of it. I was much farther ahead than everyone else there, kind of like career wise. Sure. Like I was the one guy who actually is kind of a professional, and I get paid to do stuff, and then. I just can't see myself doing like a tour of how because <laughs> there's not that guarantee of money and then where am I going to stay and then the other thing about travel and food and all that stuff and it's 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 cool and it's like it's that adventurer's heart kind mm-hmm. of thing of like this is awesome but then you get to a point in your life and your career and you're like this isn't doing shit for me so anymore. it's not see I feel like and that's kind of like. I feel like the parallel between being a comedian and being a band person, I mean, when you're, I feel like when you're coming up, you want to play everywhere and anywhere. Yes. To, to get the experience, to get better, so you don't suck. Yes. But then, I don't know if the same thing, and I would assume it does, because you're just very much like a band playing the same five songs you got. Right. You're telling the same five, eight minutes worth of your jokes that... Yes. Once you, after the first time of hearing them, it's like, eh. I mean, it's like, I mean, I've heard your beaker joke many a time, <laughs> but the flip yeah. side of that is I know as an MC, not everybody who's in that room yeah. has seen you as many, as much as I have, especially when they're giving comp tickets and so on and so yeah. forth. So in that regard, it's, it's not quite the same. Cause that joke maybe for 90% of that room, the first time they hear it and first it gets time. that first laugh that, right. you know, is probably the icebreaker for, okay, I'm laughing and I'm going, I'm, I'm at ease. And, and there is stuff with that where I tell guys too of like they're tired of their jokes and I'm like so much of comedy is just acting right? yeah like you have to act this is the first time I've ever said this and your energy has to be high or at least it has to be appropriate to what the joke is yeah and uh cause yeah no I agree with you like com- comedy is weird in the sense of like and I've always it, uh, it's been like Def Leppard, right? Def Leppard can get on stage and play Pour Some Sugar on Me and everyone go fucking nuts even though that song's 30 plus years old or whatever, right? It's hard for me. I can't get on stage and tell a joke like the Beaker joke, which I haven't done in a long time. <laughs> I haven't seen but it in a while, like, though, to yeah, be fair. But it's, uh, I can't get on stage and, I, and keep doing that in generally in front of the same people and then expecting them to like kill every time. Cause it's right. Because like you said, it's like, all right, I've heard you say it. It's a funny joke, but the response isn't going to be the same as if I had said, pour some sugar on me. So, <laughs> so I always try to write new jokes, and I, and I have this uh, shtick in my act now where I, I take out my notebook, and I, hey, everybody, i got, I got some new jokes i got to work on. Do you care if I do it? And then I just, they're all stupid one-liners that don't fit anywhere but I try them out. and people like them you know people like them. you know they're dick jokes whatever people love dick jokes yeah. so uh yeah it's weird 
comedy comedy is very similar to music in, in the bands and it's that whole indie scene yep. and it's pushing yourself and promoting yourself and because uh, I, I tell new guys too no one's going to work as hard for you as you and no one's going to want to work for you until they think they can make money from you. you. Oh, yeah. And then uh, at that stage of the game, it's almost like, I don't fucking need you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a catch-22 thing going on there. The weird thing that you brought up that really started solidifying the my parallels between the two worlds, because, I, I mean, as much as I love comedy, like, growing up as a... a and the funny thing is, I always say it as an 80s kid, like I was born in 84, so yeah. it's like, and I have a pretty good memory of a lot of earlier things, but a lot of people would be like, oh, you're a 90s kid, and it's like, eh, eh. <laughs> um, But the weird thing is, is like, I remember, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield specials, the young comedian specials, right. and seeing like a young, like, fuck, like a Ray Romano, who I didn't right. think was funny back then, sure. <laughs> and seeing like Jerry Seinfeld, and seeing, you know, like one of my favorite two i remember at a very young age or three even was like bobcat goldthwaite yeah and i remember a lot of like i realized there was something different about him he wasn't for everybody and to me i kind of like that sam kennison because he was just loud and boisterous and fucking wild and i love that and andrew dice clay like that was like my parents favorite comedian like i remember when they went to philly to go see him and my my dad growing up being in music is always like let's get the best seats Good, good vantage points, all that kind of stuff. Has always been that guy, and I remember being aware enough that he would do that, having not really been to—I don't think any shows really. Um, but I was like, you know, didn't really understand comedy because, like, at that point, all I was seeing was like Dice playing arenas, and it's like yeah. that's to me what I thought comedy was. And you're seeing like Kinnison play like these large like like theaters and such, yeah. and it's like so to me, I never saw comedy in a small room presented that way at a young age. So I always thought comedy was this thing where it's yeah. it's on the level of rock stars. Right. And back in the '80s and such, it was. Eddie Some Murphy. people got to that. Yeah, Eddie Murphy Raw like prior uh, here and now. That's one of my favorite stand-up specials. And. It was weird because, like, I remember my parents going. My, my dad was like, I was like, oh, where'd you guys sit? Because I used to think, like, when you saw the special, like, that's what they, like, literally that's what they saw. And to a degree, it is. And they're like, oh, we were, like, you know, pretty, not pretty far back, but, like, a decent, out of, like, basically Dice's viewpoint. And I was like, why? And they're like, and then my mom was like, oh, your dad was afraid he was going to see me. And then be like, oh, whip out your tits, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> just kind of, like, be Dice. And I was right, like, oh, that's right. funny. That's funny. But it's... It's weird now to, because like we've gone to like those Sunday night open 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 oh, micers right. and stuff like that, yeah, and yeah. gone to some of that, and like going to Doctor Grins and seeing a lot more like lower tiered national acts and so forth, yeah. to where you see like you and Garrett and Deggy and you know everybody else, and it's kind of like I'm seeing comedy like I saw it like at this unattainable thing like oh my god this is what comedy is for a lot of people because at that point like there's the comedy boom. And so to see where it is now and seeing a lot of people like doing clubs and so forth and kind of getting to people like Marin and and a lot of these like, you know, alternative acts and stuff like that and seeing like people were playing coffee shops and so forth. It's like as I kind of started getting more into bands and music and stuff and kind of going to like church halls and VFWs and not typical places for bands to be and now kind of seeing the flip side of that for comedians it's like okay like there are so many parallels between the two plus the traveling to basically make nothing because you're trying to make your name but to bring it back to the thing that really solidified that parallel for me was when you were like so i was trying to like get like contact some people and be like yo who who are you like can i get a show can i get on this show like what are you doing 
you know, fill my calendar and someone's like, oh, well, I heard you're working with so-and-so. And it's like, Jesus Christ, that shit happens in the comedian world too. Like, why the fuck does it matter who I'm working with? Like, I'm trying to just, like, bands do show trades all the fucking time. Like, why, why can't it be like that? Like, and it's like, okay, so like, you're doing your thing. Okay, I get it. Like, cool. Well, how about this? Don't be a dick and maybe I'll help you come up here. It's very territorial. And that's so weird. Uh, this There's a couple. There's a booking agency in the Midwest. There's a booking agency in the Southeast. There's one kind of like in the Northwest of the country. And they all have like, this is my territory. Don't fucking cross my territory. And sometimes these bookers will try to start rooms in other people's areas. And then people get like, you can't fucking work that room. Like that room's 30 minutes away from my room. So, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. So I know in, in the booking world of music, yeah. there's a thing called a radius clause. And that's why yeah. for some people who don't know this, like if X band is playing for us, Detroit, mm-hmm. or an even better example, really to kind of show it on a broader scale. So a traveling festival, like rock on the range, mm-hmm. that's a big destination festival. And I know that they put a radius clause on the days, like so many days before you can't be in this range of the radius of the festival. And you also can't uh, play within so many miles of this festival. Otherwise, you're basically going to be taken off. And so a lot of people are always like, why the fuck aren't you playing here or here or here? And it's like, well, there's the radius clause, so I can't. Uh, I wonder if that would help. Like if someone were to just kind of, like a booking agent were to start being like, you can play that venue. However, you can't come back here with me for 30 days or for blank amount of time. I've heard about that in comedy, and I'm assuming it does exist for uh, bigger name acts. Okay. Um, No one's ever come at me with that, uh, you know, because I'm still, I'm a low-level headliner. I'm a feature act. I'm the middle. That's who I am. And no one should give a fuck about me, right? You give a fuck about the guys who have pull, yeah. right? Those are the guys, like guys who are coming to see whoever, that's the guy you should be like, well, you're, you're going to play my club. Like, uh, like if you look at a, a bigger city like Cleveland, Cleveland's got like three clubs in the city. And you can't have, uh, the only, for whatever reason, the comic came to my brain first was this guy, Earthquake. You can't have Earthquake go play Hilarities one night, and then he's at uh, the Improv the next night, and then he or weekend, and then the third weekend he's at the next one, right? Like no club would be cool with that, right? And no, but no one should really give a fuck about what Stu McAllister's doing. No one is coming to any show to see me, and if they were coming to see me, then clubs need to recognize that Stu <laughs> McAllister is a fucking draw of some kind, right? D- does that not happen? Like if a if a local opener were to sell. You know, 150 tickets for a, a national yeah. room. Oh, yeah. It definitely helps. It so, definitely like, does that does that parallel into the comedian world as well? Like, if you were to bring some people out, you advertise really good and stuff like that. Does that get you more gigs, or does it not really apply? I've never had success with it. Okay. Uh, I've personally like whenever I go to play a room, like I will you know do all the social media stuff that I can. I've bought Facebook ads in the past too. And I've tried to reach out to clubs and go, hey, if uh, if I do this, if people mention my name at the door, can be like buy one get one. And I've never, and again, because of where I'm at in the comedy world, if I'm the middle guy mostly, a lot of the clubs just kind of overlook me and overlook my requests, even though I'm doing what I can. Like I don't know, I know like five people who live in Louisville, Kentucky, so I'm not a draw. 
but I'm going to do what I can to get people to come out and see me at the club there. Cause it Better than some touring me. bands who have never been there and yeah, expect more. you, you got to do what you can because I, the next time I go back there, I want to be I want to be the guy, right? I want right. to be the guy closing the show. I don't want to be the middle guy. The, you look at someone like the guy who's coming to town. He's in town tonight, more or less. Doug Stanhope. He's playing Muskegon tonight. I think he's playing Kalamazoo tomorrow. is he playing in Muskegon? <laughs> He's playing bowling alley. He's playing the back, the back alley. Bowling oh wait! Alley. I saw a friend of mine actually bought tickets to that, and yeah. I was like, when he when I looked at it up, I was like, I think it was like twenty bucks a ticket. I was like twenty bucks to see someone at a bowling alley. But it's then like, it's almost like the basement show thing, where it's like, yeah, I kind of would go just to see what kind of a fucking a, freak show it's this a side is. Room. I've played it. It's a side room of a you know, it's the banquet hall. Or yeah, it's a side, and it's nice enough. But uh, and then he's doing Flint and Kalamazoo and Lansing and Grand Rapids. He's doing all these places that are all within an hour. Yeah, hour. Or if you go from Muskegon to Flint or even Muskegon to Detroit, that's like three tops. Yeah. And he's playing them all because he's fucking Doug Stanhope. Yeah. And he's sitting it all up on his own. And people are always like, "Why is he playing that shithole?" He's playing that shithole because he knows he can get a hundred people paying twenty bucks a pop to come out, and he's getting all the money. Right. It's it's all comes down to economics, and he's the guy that everyone should aspire to be. I would love to be Doug Stanhope, where I can just go and I can play a bowling alley and get that kind of money. The fucked up thing, though, is sometimes I feel, and I feel like this with bands too, though, is you see someone like that, and everyone just shits talk, shit talks it, but they're not paying attention, like you just said, the the business side of it. But the flip side of that even is to me, yeah, you're oversaturating a market, a territory. But then you're not coming back for a while, so are you right. really? Yes, you're you're playing a lot of places that aren't very far away, but at the same time, half of the places you just mentioned, people aren't gonna fucking travel. Yeah, not even not even twenty minutes. Oh, I have to go somewhere and do something. Nah. <laughs> what? And he has his fans, like Joe Rogan has yeah. his fans, Stanhope has oh, yeah. his fans, and I think I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that there are going to be several people who will see go to him each in one. Keegan, yeah. They'll see him in Kalamazoo. They'll see him in, in Grand Rapids. Just to see him. You know, he's working out. He did a radio interview yesterday, and I heard it. And he's working out new stuff. And he even said, he's like, I can go to these shithole towns <laughs> and work out new shit, and it doesn't matter if I eat it because it's fucking Muskegon. I'm playing a bowling alley in Muskegon. No one cares. Yeah. But I'll have it tight by the time I go to Detroit and I'm playing like a theater there. Right. So, yeah. And I think people don't understand that either sometimes about comedy. Like, I was watching... And it's funny because you were talking about, like, there's so many specials. Are they special anymore? Yeah. I just finished the Kevin Hart special from last year. Uh, with the one it where any he, good? It, was it any good or is he any good? Is it, I don't know. Did you like it? Um, there was something that I enjoy about Kevin Hart that didn't work for me on this special. Okay. He's really good at doing callbacks. Setting yes. them up real early. Yeah. And then hitting the mark later on, like so the running, favorite. yeah. So one of the running gags that he had was, uh, he was like, "Oh, you ever notice that like black women when you tell them something have this like this look on their face, like they don't believe you, and they'll be like, oh, is that what happened? Really?'" But the audience, and they'd always pan to someone in the audience, um, usually like a ro- like a section of women doing the really thing. So it's like it caught on, but it's like at a, it was where the Eagles play. Oh, and so it was sold out. Damn. He sold it out. Yeah. And it was like literally the biggest comedy show that's ever taken place. Yeah. Uh, and comedy is not meant to be. No. In there a were a couple. Stadium. There were a couple of times like, where he would say something and you just hear it echo. And I'm like, yeah. it, like, because I've heard people, I think Marin was talking about how hard it is to do comedy in theater sometimes because like it takes 
sound to get somewhere and you can't tell how you're doing or if the joke's landing right. and there's this weird delay so i can only imagine you know kevin probably at that point you're just here's my fucking hour or hour and a half and i'm just rolling through and, I'm, and if it lands it lands and we'll, we'll go from there but the problem that i had with it was like the callbacks weren't as funny as they used to be i like the fact that he still tries to be as down to earth and everyday man like real shit that's happening to him in his life but it's still somewhat like as he always goes oh everything's based out of reality mm-hmm. but then it's like some of the things you're talking about it's like yeah i kind of agree with that but I don't know, it's not, it doesn't relate to <laughs> me not hitting anymore, huh? so he's another guy who i think there's definitely pressure on him of like this guy needs to have like a new hour or whatever and it's hard for him because that dude well now it's also like it's not just an movie. hour yeah, it's, it's not just an hour, though, like a, a special. It's a fucking movie you nice. have to, like, put in the theaters and have people, like, you know, be a bot. Like, I remember going to see the last special he did, like, when he was going, like, the whole hour special was about his divorce, basically. Right. And my wife and I were the only ones in the theater on, like, a Saturday afternoon. And I was just like, I don't know if this is, like, because it's not good or because people just don't want to watch a comedy special in a theater. In a theater. Like, it's weird. It's weird that they do that. I mean, good on him. I mean, Kevin Hart is one of the most successful comedians out there currently. He doesn't do it for me, but uh, no. uh, you know, good good for him, right? It's it's hard I, for me to shit talk a lot of guys. Like, I, there's a lot of guys I just don't like. I like the fact that he at least tries to be positive and put a positive yeah. message out there, yeah. than, as opposed to others. Right. So props to him on that, and he's got a lot of people in his corner, and he, you know, he's got this new. Um, Kevin Hart from the city or something. He was just in Detroit and tagged a bunch of Detroit guys to come out and do the show. And, you know, good on him. Do you... It's funny. One of the podcasts I listen to is a, a dude from a band that's been a band for, like, 20, 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And something he often talks about is the people who are at his level or, have been, like, the Def Leppards or whatever, yeah. that they need to co-sign younger bands that they're into and kind of bring usher in the next sure the next generation of bands or whatever do you i mean speaking of the kevin hart thing of bringing like you know a handful of people out do you see a lot of that in comedy or is it like a lot of things like oh i came up with you so like you and i are gonna get together and we're gonna go do this thing we're gonna kill it together and and fuck everybody else i I think there's that there's definitely guys like you see it more like at the superstar level of like all like uh what's her face amy schumer a lot of the people who are in her movies and stuff, not everything. Eh. It's uh, she isn't for me either. But I mean, all- Sarah Silverman did it first and did a little bit better, in my opinion, yeah. or any of the other female comics that came before. Uh, so, a lot of the actors and actresses who've been in her movies mm-hmm. uh, are still great. Like Bridget Everett, I don't know if you know Bridget or not. Name sounds familiar. Um, she came and did Laugh Fest two years ago, and I was fortunate enough to open for her, and she's just fucking phenomenal. Bridget Everett, she's. She's not a, the typical stand-up. She's more like a cabaret singer. Okay. And uh, she's just singing dirty songs. And she's walking <laughs> out in the crowd, and she's flashing people her tits. It is amazing. So if, <laughs> if you're going to chance to see Bridget Everett, go see Bridget Everett. Uh, and, you know, and everyone shits on Adam Sandler, but Adam Sandler the same thing, too. He does stuff with his buddies of, like, you know, David Spade, and uh, Nick Swartzen has kind of replaced Rob Schneider. Uh, I've heard Schneider and Spade are kind of assholes from people who have hung out with him around here and I was just like that sucks yeah yeah, I I never want to hear about my heroes in comedy because when I do hear about them more often than not they turn into their dicks or something and you're just like ah I don't want to hear that I just don't want to hear that so 
But I think, if, you know, I try to do it when I'm on the road, and if I have the ability to take someone with me, I'll just grab people. Because I'd like to work with people that I know and people that I can have a good time with as opposed to, like, I just show up. I'm in Dayton, Ohio, and I don't know who the fuck I'm working with. So why wouldn't I try to take someone if I could? Do you, uh, something that Marion was actually talking about recently with, I don't remember who the comedian was. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how lonely it is on the road. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I tell guys, I'm like, if you're not comfortable, if you are not comfortable being alone, uh, comedy's going to be very tough for you because you are, you're traveling more often than not by yourself. You're in a city where you probably don't know anybody, or if you do know people, it's the people who work at the club. Uh, you're staying in a hotel. Uh, you're only there like three, four days. It's kind of quick in and out. And a lot of people ask me if it's like a vacation. I'm like, usually no, not. I just don't have the time. Because I'm always supposed to be working on stuff. i got to be, my podcast, and I'm working on sketches, and I'm writing this and that, and I'm writing a new hour or whatever, and there's no time. Uh, and then you got to go do the shows. And those are late. And then, Yeah, and those run late, and then sometimes you got to do media, so then you got to get up early in the morning and you go do media. And uh, it's just very difficult. And, you know, I don't generally don't, I've never, I've only flown once to gigs, I think the the funny thing about potentially that gig you're talking about, and I was going to bring this up, if it's the biggest gig, yeah, okay, my wife was on that flight with you. Yeah, (laughs) such a long time ago. She, I remember that. She, uh, because when we went out to Vegas to get married, and the time before, like a couple months before that, uh, she was like, "Oh, I think the last time we went to Vegas, like we ran into Stu McAllister." We didn't know he was going to Vegas until he was getting on the flight back, and we're like, "What were you doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, I was performing." Yeah. Yeah. It's very so, weird. It's a, it's a, Grand Rapids is a small town. Yes, yes. Although, How did you end up getting a job at Deja Vu? Uh, You're 18. Yeah, you know, I was working as a dishwasher at a, a like cafe diner in oh, Parchment, where I okay. my, where we were living. Yeah. And I was just like looking for a job that paid better and got me out of there. And then like some friends, uh, like who had a car because it was like you know right. still like just out of high school. You hang out with your friends. Yeah. Someone's got a car. You all go. Blah blah blah. Right. So, like, one day they were like, oh, we're going to go shoot guns and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I don't really want to shoot guns, but okay. Like, I'll just hang out with my friends. And we were supposed to have, like, a big sleepover and watch, like, horror movies and shit. Right. And then it turned into, like, one of the stops we made was at Deja Vu. Yeah, and I was Yeah, I was like, I don't really want to be here. This right. is, like, not my idea of fun. Is like, looking at half-naked girls, or naked, fully naked girls, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. with three or four other dudes sitting right next to me. It's like, right. guys, want to go jerk off in the bathroom together? Motor City! So, I uh, remember sitting there, and then, you know, just kind of over the whole thing, and, like, I was more paying attention to just, like, the the hustling nature of, of women and how, like, the club would, like, squeeze all the money they could out of you. Right. And, like, perfect example, like, a friend of mine, like, because they have, like, non-alcoholic drinks because they can't yeah. serve alcohol. Yeah. So, we just hear blabbering because there's loud music and all this kind of shit, and then we're like, what the fuck did you just order? He's like, I think I ordered a, something called a... A Nevea? And we're like, what's in it? I don't know. The girl the girl asked me if I wanted to get one. And I was like, all right. You're hot. And then I just, and I just remember like she, this girl came and yeah. sat next to him and then the drink came and she started drinking it. And then we're like, where's your drink? Because like all he had was like pop. And we're like, she's drinking it. Oh no. Her name was Nevea. Uh, he bought a drink for her. Nice. 
And so, and then he was like, he was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, now this makes sense to me. Like, okay. And so there's just like a lot of that shit going on. And then finally I was like, I, they had like a fucking for like, like now hiring thing that I think was always there, but I was just like, got an application because sure. I, I don't not spending any money here but I might as well like just like more as a goof really I was like let's see if I can right, get this right. and then you they called me back like a day later right. and they're like hey uh, can you come in tomorrow for an interview and I was like yeah and then it's like since I had not really ever been on many interviews like uh, you know they say dress for the job you want it's like <laughs> how do you dress for a job at a strip club right yeah. breakaway pants and uh, no so I, I went and did that like I did the interview like they're like all right well, start like when can you start and i was like well i still have a job and i think i'm supposed to put in two weeks right. i was like i don't give a fuck it's a dishwashing job i'm sure eventually like it'll be not on my resume so i don't right. <laughs> i could probably start like in a week right. and then started doing that and i was there for about a year and a half and i uh was doing pretty good and there was some definitely some sketchy sides to that place and sure i definitely learned how to to hustle people out of their money like uh but the weird thing to me is, like, I remember back then, we weren't allowed to tell anyone when anyone was going to be there. Like, if someone called and like, hey, is Phoenix there tonight? Oh, I'm sorry. Can't tell you. Now they fucking is post people's... Like stalking that's or? That was part of it. But the other part that was kind of explained to me was that you want them to pay to get in to find out that she's not there. Oh, right. But the weird thing is, is now you go to different places or on their websites, and they'll just tell you who's working. And to me, it's like... The flip side... So the stalker can now know your schedule and know that you're going to be there. Uh, you know, with social media being a thing, I see, like, I there's a handful of, there's a stripper out of Portland that, like, uh, a bunch of comedians follow and would, like, have funny banter with. So I thought she was a comedian. Right. And then found out she was a stripper. Right. And I was like, huh. I was like, oh, whatever. She's fucking funny. And, yeah. like, a lot of times she'll talk, like, and I was actually going to have her do a podcast with me because she had gotten to the point where she was dating, uh... Tim Meadows. What? And they went out like on a... I'm sure she was funnier than Tim. <laughs> yeah. So she didn't put him on blast until like she ba- like he basically just dipped on her and like didn't return calls. Like they went on like a like Caribbean like vacation or shit uh-huh. and like blah blah blah. And she... I guess he was like just kind of an asshole about how it all ended. And what was interesting to me was that she ended up on Wendy Williams. What? Because like she because was putting... She, she was putting Tim on blast like... You know, because everyone's like, oh, well, you're just a fucking gold digger, blah, blah, blah. She's like, look at these fucking text messages he's sending me about, like, how he loves me and all this kind of shit. And then it's like, she ends up on Wendy Williams, and she's like, she's just another one of those, like, you know, white girls trying to just, like, take our man and blah, 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 blah. And then, like, just turned into this thing where I was like, what the fuck? And, you know, she'll post something about, like, you know, political stuff that, you know, she's like, well, if you think this, blah, 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 and, like, provides facts and shit. And then it just turns into this thing where it's like, shut up and just you're a stripper you don't know anything or just show me your tits and it's like you know that's how fucking frustrating must it be when it's like you're more than this thing that people you know associate you with it doesn't help you know your profession but that shouldn't people should be able to look past that you'd like to think but people people won't people you you would like to think but people won't but i find it very interesting that she's she's kind of had a few of these kind of scenarios happened to her over the last you know handful of years and it just always turns into this thing like she's trying to have an honest dialogue with people and, and try to spark conversation 
and it just goes to the lowest common denominator. Granted, it's on Twitter or whatever, so, I mean, that's not surprising. Right. But it's still frustrating to see shit like that. Just like, I feel like this is better, but we're already an hour and 20 minutes Holy in. Holy shit! You you would have crushed any of my podcast time limits. <laughs> oh, this is, this is par for the course for me. I love the tangents. Whatever direction the conversation's Which, going, and you go with it. I think it's funny you like tangents, but you <laughs> keep yours to 15 minutes. Well, uh, again, because that's, for me, that's, <laughs> it's the time limit thing of like, well, this, I, I, I have more I can talk about, but let's just keep it to this. So that's, that's just my own thing. I think maybe if I actually had, if I could have a co-host that I could regularly do things with that I knew that we could do it together, I would probably go a little bit longer. Should get Garrett. I mean, that dude. Yeah, I just, but I just don't Actually, think... didn't he... St- wasn't he, he was, sort of he was started first, it? Yeah, he was yeah. like the first co-host that I had. He was li- he lived with me for a while, and he kind of like he edited and he did some stuff for the podcast. But uh, I, it, would, it would be difficult for me to do things with him too because his schedule is different than mine, and it, we just don't gel. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to having him back on again. He's got his own that he does. Yeah, it is, uh, the carrot <laughs> the carrot podcast, and he's doing some music, and he's. You know, he's the host now of Dr. Grins, and so he's got a lot on his plate as well, and the day job too. So it would just be hard to, to do it. So I just like, and that's why I like doing it on my own, because I can just, all right, I, I know I'm going to do it on Mondays, and I know I'm going to do it on Thursday, and then I'm going to take a half hour out of my day, and I'm just going to do this, and, and here we go. And if people listen, they listen. If they don't, they don't. Whatever, you know. I always think it's funny you say, like, to my six listeners, and now it's up to ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the double digits, man. I don't mean to brag, but... Uh. I think the crazier thing about doing this is, like, seeing sometimes, like, how far someone away from you has listened to something, and you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. I don't know if it's that way for you, since you kind of keep yours more locally themed. Yeah. But it's always been kind of interesting, like, oh, someone from, like, Africa listen wow. to this and you're just like holy shit That's I'm never gonna go there <laughs> it makes you wonder how they found you right uh no I totally know my anybody who listens to my shit is because they uh found through the guest okay. I've started getting better at using like I call them hashtags but like the search stuff yeah uh, and then I'm very much on top of my stats and my analyticals. Like, I was looking at my YouTube stuff, and it's like, okay, the average person watches for 13 minutes, and this is, you know, th- like, and then you even have a breakdown of, like, someone found this video because of the suggested video by searching one of the things you use, blah, 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 just random happenstance. And so it's like, all right. And I try to make sense of all that as much as I can, but a lot of times it's like, no one fucking... Sometimes I feel it's just lightning in the bottle, man. Like, I've always said, like, know. the nice thing about podcasts and, like, the thing that doesn't get me down... I mean, like, at this point, you're 120... 24. 24? Okay. I thought it was, like, 127. I thought you were close to you're close to 130, though, is, yeah. is the point. Yep. But, you know, you're already over 100 episodes in, and I just started... I was checking it out in the beginning, like, when you... I think you were in the first, like, 15. Yeah. But it's, like, at that point, like, I didn't have a job, really, that would let me listen to it. And it's, like, you're busy doing your own shit, but it's, like... Now I'm able to go into it, and I have like a hundred and some odd episodes I can just go back through. <laughs> They're all garbage, don't. They? <laughs> don't so bother. the interesting thing is, is like I feel like that's that's typically what happens for everybody. Is like there's that one guest that like is the the launching point for a lot, the entryway for a lot of people, and then all of a sudden they're gonna be like, "What? I I like that." Holy fuck! There's like 200 episodes. All right, here's my new thing. Yeah. I'm gonna start back like binge binging on because we're in a binge society, and True. so. I think that's the kind of thing I keep reminding myself when I'm in this, like, dungeon back here by myself. Like, 
talking to the wall and doing intros and so forth and being like, why do I spend so much time? Because you enjoy it. Uh, I do. I definitely get, like, I'm like, I just want to get to the point where, like, the nominal amount of money it costs me to do this, which isn't much. Uh, Like, I've been thinking about hitting up a a sponsor and being like, give me, like, okay, so if my costs are, like, 20 bucks, be like, give me 10. So therefore, half my costs are gone. Right. I'll plug your product. I'll put your fucking photo thing on shit. Yeah. That's a win-win for me. Right. And so, like, I'm just looking at ways to almost get this to where it's like it, it it's breaking even. Yes. And yeah. I think that's an interesting thing that this could be something where it's like even if you make nominal amount of money, it's like, oh. Interesting. Have you, have you thought of what is it the Patreon or Patreon? To me. I'm of two minds about it because there are a lot of podcasts I listen. <laughs> I'll ask you this: Do you do you listen to a lot of podcasts as it is? Not many. Okay. I wish I did. I just do don't. you judge the podcast as much as I do? <laughs> Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes I feel like they're very, they're very, they're overly produced. Yes. And that's part of why I like mine. And it's just like it's me, and that's it. I don't edit it. I don't add anything to it. It's shit. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I if you go through like the first couple of episodes of mine i was very much the same thing as like i'm never editing anything i'm just gonna fucking upload this and it is what it is then i did an interview with someone and i there was about 25 minutes of like and ums and like ums and uhs that i took out because i was like this makes it so much longer and it's really annoying but i think then that makes you a better interviewer or interviewee i think i've gotten better And I've also become a lot more aware of if I'm going to talk over someone, I always go, sorry to cut you off. And I remember I kind of put a pin there and I go, okay. Because a lot of times when you come back to whatever it is and someone's like, I don't remember where we were. We were here. And then it's like worst case, like I can say my thing. And when you're trying to do all that, I can edit that out. So I don't sound like quite the asshole. But uh, yeah, I I find that I speak a lot better now as a result of listening to myself. Like uh, I think it was Chris Hardwick was saying – Sometimes the thing that people are so afraid of is dead air because they don't want to be perceived as being stupid because they can't just come up with something. But a lot of times all you end up doing at that point is saying stuff that doesn't mean anything and it's just filler until your brain catches up to wherever it is you're going. So actually by stopping, you can actually think clearer and then say what you're trying to say. So it's interesting to to listen to a a lot of different podcasts and kind of get different information out of them i definitely think what's been interesting for this and listening to yours is like i like that yours is just sweet compact in out you're done i think on average like if i like toward the end of my day from like my last break like i got about like an hour and a half and i can probably plow through about like 10 episodes (laughs) and get through it's weird because it goes in reverse order uh just the way the the player works yeah but it's kind of interesting because it's like oh this was going on okay yeah and like you know we were listening to it last night while we were cooking dinner and Bridget, like you were bringing up the Charlottesville stuff. Yeah. And Bridget's like, what the fuck is going on with this? Like, why don't you shut up and listen? Yeah. And they'll probably explain a little bit about what's going on. And I talked more about it today just because of the, I had some Facebook posts that got some weird reactions on it. And it, and it isn't generally anything I don't like talking about stuff like that. Like it. But do you, I feel, I'm sorry to cut you off. Do right. you feel that as a podcaster or even as a comedian? Yeah. Do you feel like, we should, you should bring up these things and, and make people aware of the fact that we can't just turn a blind eye and sweep shit under the rug and be yeah. like, I don't want to see, like, because, like, something that 
as a byproduct of living in this this social media society we have and, and clickbaity shit, I tend to find that we can make our world, our online per- world, be exactly how we want it to be. I don't want to hear anything like that, so I'm not going to follow those things. I'll block those things. Yeah. Oh, I don't agree with you. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you off and tell you everything how I feel. <laughs> block you after I've sent it so you can't even rebuttal. Right. And it goes back to what I was saying where I feel like the thing I like about this is I can have a conversation with somebody yeah. or listening to them. I can sit in on a conversation and get some different perspective other than my own. Granted, a lot of the shit going on right now is not – again, just be a good fucking person and have yeah. some like common sense and – it, it, uh, I think we often get stuck in the echo chamber of everyone that either follow us or likes us on, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever probably has the same thought process as you. So I can say stuff and everyone's like, oh my God, you're right. And then you do have that one person who's like, you're a fucking moron, Stu. And then I have to deal with them or respond to them or whatever. And, and I never, there is a guy on my page who is politically completely opposite of me and he's always got shit to say and i just don't want to hear it you know like (laughs) i get it i get where he's at and i know this is where you're thinking but man the charlottesville stuff i just uh you know nazis man there's nothing you can say to defend nazis and and i talked about freedom of speech today too and i just it's an unpopular thing to say. I don't believe in freedom of speech. Uh, as a concept or uh, well, in, no, in as, the practice as, of it? In the practice of it. I, I believe in the concept of it, of, of everyone should be allowed to say what they should want to, but there are consequences for what you say. And then I don't believe that someone can be out on the street saying, uh, fucking kill all the Jews, right? Like, I just don't believe it. Uh, there, there should be a level of uh, civility and we don't allow for hate speech, and uh, I'm I'm not I'm not about it. I know because a lot of people bring up the whole freedom of speech shit, and I'm just like, I, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, no, right? Like you don't want me in front of your house going fuck all you fucking queers or what you know whatever. Right. Like, get the hell off my sidewalk, man. Right. right. Like, what are you doing? So, yeah, that's weird. I get what they're doing. I wish those people would be more productive with their time, though. Like, I wish they were, like, if they were so concerned about children, I wish they would uh, volunteer their time in, like, schools, or they were foster parents, or if they were concerned about uh, women, maybe work at, like, a a battered women's shelter, or, you know, stuff of that nature. To me, it's time better suited as opposed to being on the sidewalk. And a lot of those people are, like, they're praying. I'm like, you can pray anywhere in the world, man. You don't have to be on the sidewalk to pray, right? I've often wondered with what you do for your actual, like where you came from, from your professional yeah, life yeah, yeah. to sort of, I don't know exactly what you do now. I know you work at a hospital, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I don't do much at the hospital. <laughs> I'm just kind of there getting in the way. Um, but it's one of those, like, I wonder how much of, well, I don't really need to wonder. Cause I mean, it's, it's what shapes everybody like your day to day and your, your life experiences are what shapes you obviously. Yeah. But I wonder how much of, what you have gone through in your professional life being a social worker yeah. and working for like CPA, is it CPA or CPS? CPS. Okay. Yeah. Um, has given you a completely different perspective than the average person will have Probably. and therefore gives you more because you see the other side of it, see all the negative downfalls of like a lot of this shit and. You know, it's like, okay, like, 
people with welfare. A lot of people fucking hate on it. Right. But I'm sure you've seen the good it can do. Yeah. And, yeah but I'm sure on the flip side of that, you've seen all the terrible shit that everyone else yeah. bitches about. Yeah. But I think if more people were to see the good it can do, I think maybe they wouldn't be so quick to be like, fucking take it away. Right. I don't understand like what people think we should do then. Right. Like the system is flawed completely. But what are we going to do? We're going to let kids starve. We're going to let these parents not have heat in their house. I mean, it's like we got to be. We're we're supposed to be like the whole thing. You start off lock talking about like being Christians and religious yeah. and being good people. Like this is part of the process. Yeah. And it's like I can imagine only so much of that. And it, and like any job where it's shitty like that, it's like it's not the person. It's the the things that are in place that make the determination for them to, to kind of lessen it on their end so it's not like, oh, it's you. Stu McAllister, you told me I can only get $13? Well, fuck you. But that's how we take it, and I can only imagine, like, dealing with that for as long as you did. It's like, like you want to talk about the skydiving dude? Like, what does he do when he comes home? It's like, how do you see all that shit that you would see every day, and how do you come home? And then how do you try to go somewhere on, like, the weekends and try to be funny for people? Because I feel like that'd be the last thing I would want to do. It was very soul crushing. I heard of instances it never happened to me of uh, when I was at Child Protective Services of investigators bumping into people they either were or had investigated at like Meyer or whatever, and then that the person essentially like hackling or causing disruptions in the store to the point where the person would have to leave. And to me, that just boggles my mind that that would happen. But what What do you mean? They would just be like, what you doing here, bitch? Or stuff like that. You can't take my kids. And oh, like, like they would that. run into them they in happenstance. In, in the community. Gotcha. Like at Meyer, and okay. They would, and these people would create a ruckus. And no one, I never wanted to take a kid, ever. Uh, but I wanted to make sure the kid was safe. I can't right? imagine, like, even remotely, like, like, the only thing I can even think of, and it's not anywhere near the magnitude of that, is... Like, you're bad. If you don't do this, I'm going to take this away from you. Like, as a parent to a child. I can't imagine coming in as someone that's not even associated with the family, like, in any birth, like, blood relatives or anything like that, and just being like, if you don't do X, I'm taking your child away because you're not providing the basic care for the, you know. How do you make, it's like, how do you make someone who doesn't give a shit give a shit? Right. And then it's like when you put it beyond that onto how do you make someone give a shit about a another person's life that can't take care of themselves like that should just be inherently like a thing you do you would you would think right this is your child and this is what you need to do that's the frustration with the system the system is 100 percent flawed I, I won't disagree with that if you see shit like that though i always constantly wonder it's like if you <laughs> if you left that and see how flawed that is and then you just take it to like the even bigger scale of like yeah. then how the rest of, how is the fucking government supposed to work right yeah, you just look at like government contracts, and I—I I mean, I just look at the militaries. That's got to be so fucked up. There's so much money involved with that. So do like, what you like, man. That's all I'm trying to do right now. Do what you like. Don't do the things that you don't like, or minimize them as much as possible. So, so are you still doing comedy? Because the, the Ann Arbor yeah. trip sounds like you are, but then every yeah, every couple episodes you're like, uh, I'm done. Well, it, I'm I'm done in the sense that uh, working the road. It's not high priority for me. Like, I'll still work the road. Like, I had a guy ask me today if I'd work in Louisville with him in November. And I was, I'm free that November. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll go do it. But I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to Make search out gigs. I'm not, 
the road wasn't working for me. I wasn't enjoying it, and it really struck me probably about a year and a half ago when I went down to Myrtle Beach, <laughs> and, I, and I worked the club there. Was and, it off-season? Because that's really depressing when you're there. You know, it was, it's weird. Myrtle Beach is one of those towns where I think it's a little different, like when it is summer, it's it's not the time of year to go, but if you go in the winter, no, no, it's reversed. I, w- I was there at a time when it wasn't the best ever. And uh, it just made me, you know, it's like, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 hour drive, whatever. Oh, you drove it? I just drove it. I was going to say, if you go off season, the flights, like we got a round trip flight for like 100 bucks. It was cheap as shit. Maybe I should (laughs) have. But it just just made me go, what the fuck am I doing here? What, uh, this is not, it's not what I want. Like I, I enjoy performing and everything, but I'm just, I just don't want to do what is currently happening so i'm just trying to reevaluate and focus more on the podcast focus more on writing and then uh not feeling like i need to take every gig and if it means i need to have the day job that i do then there we go so i'm just trying to be happier with it all i imagine there's a lot of soul searching going on on a lot of these trips yeah oh yeah because again it's the whole like i drove all that time by myself uh i'm in we, they had a condo down there, and I'm sharing a room with a guy that I don't really know. Uh, I'm, I'm at a club where I don't know anybody. I'm in a town where I don't know anybody. And uh, I had been there before, so I kind of knew some stuff. But it's still just kind of like, God damn it. You know? It's not, it's not fun. Right. In Myrtle Beach, as you said, it's a touristy town. So you have all these people kind of come in. And it's just a weird, eclectic group of people doesn't make any sense it's weird it's just weird but you're still involved with laugh fest yeah so you still, still do that. that yeah yeah still involved with that still involved with the uh tonight tonight with andy bledsoe show which i enjoy writing for the talk show and uh still doing stuff with eric zane as still, a contributor still contributing with to eric zane and hopefully uh i can get hot more on but sadly his show is not getting the the ratings that it would want so, I mean, what are you going to do? The last thing I'll bring up, and then I'll let you go, because we're, okay. we're at an hour and 40 Holy minutes. Holy fuck. That's like seven, it? seven of your podcasts. Holy shit. Yes. Okay. Is, uh, so we'll wrap it up with this. Thanks. So you you go to a lot of shows. Comedy-wise? Uh, I don't know if you go general. to a lot of comedy, but a lot I of, do. you support a lot of the, the arts. We'll yes, say. I try to. In a day and age where a lot of people can't be bothered to even leave their house very much like you were saying because of like everything comes to us we have you know music on our phones so we don't buy music or netflix and can see whatever you want or i'm not gonna go to a theater because to go see a movie because it'll be on dvd or on my phone in yeah. you know a month and a half but i love going to a movie theater. i know you do i, I, <laughs> I was gonna say you I always talk about it at least once a week yeah at least once a week but you spend a lot of time trying to be engaged in, in going to the movies or yeah. going to see bands if you can or yeah. going to support just local stuff here around. Sure. I often wonder, is it a byproduct of the age you are? Or because being a, a content creator, whether it be for your comedy, for your podcast or whatever, are you doing it more in search of the being able to talk about the experiences or just genuinely because you are? enjoy like all like the escape of all of that like going to see a movie getting lost for an hour or two or going to see a band and being like man i remember when this song came out and it transports me and just that communal 
vibe that you get when you go into a show. Like that's one of the many reasons I love going to shows is being able to look around and just see like everyone reacting to the same thing I'm reacting to and being like, "Wow, oh, this is awesome." That's that why experience. I love putting. On, that's why I love putting on shows. Like being able to be like, "I fucking brought this to people and people are having fun." Like. I love this band. Now, hopefully, like, the room of these people will be like, that band was awesome. I'm going to go buy their CD or shirt or whatever. And that's the other side, too, of... I love the fact that you're always like, I went to go buy a shirt. Like, people don't do that. It's like, they do one or... Like, well, I came, I bought my ticket. Right. I supported enough. And it's Well, like, I think it's because I understand that, too, of, like, I love it when people come and they see my show and then they want to buy one of my shirts. Because I get, like... Oh, God, I... I generally I sell shirts for 20 bucks a pop because I just have to economically. It just makes sense for 20 bucks. And at a show once, a girl asked me, she's like, how much are the shirts? And I said, $20. And she laughed in my face like I was a fucking <laughs> lunatic. And I'm like, you don't have to buy the shirt, but this is what I need to sell a shirt for, right? Like, I'm not going to sell it for 10 because I'm not making dick. And I'm not going to sell it for 15 because I'm not dealing with fives. But if I sell a shirt for twenty, <laughs> and it's just—I know it sounds stupid. But no, I, that's what I do for a job—is I make shirts. It. So, it's, so I'm selling for twenty, and it's, it's like, and I get it, and it's like, and I tell people, like, this is so I can eat, and this yeah. is so I can buy gas, and this is to like get me to the next spot, and that's what it is. So when if I go to a show, uh, and a good portion of the time I do get into this stuff for free. Yeah. Uh, and so if I can buy something for someone, I'm like, hey, I, I'm su- I'm supporting you right. in whatever capacity. So I, I love it, man. I'll do whatever I can. Like when I saw that guy, uh, Steve El- Elroy, yeah, uh, he was only selling for ten bucks a pop too. Well, again, we work at a place where oh, we yeah, just yeah. pay our costs and shit. So. I get it, but I was like, Jesus, dude, you could I would have bought it for twenty if he had my size. Right. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I. I it's all of the above. I go. I go for the experience. I go um, because then it does give me stuff to talk about for content for the podcast, and it's stuff like just for me. It just creates memories, and it's like I'm out and about. And, and again, I don't know if it's I'm old or not. I do. I do have Netflix, and I, I think I watch way too much shit on Netflix as it is. Sounds like you watch documentaries though a lot. Yeah, I, I, I do try to watch stuff that's important, maybe or educational in some capacity. Just trying to be better if I can. I don't know if it's possible, but so, but I, and I like doing weird stuff in because Grand Rapids it has that awful reputation of being bland rapids and. and Does rapids. it really? Yeah, I've never heard of that. I, I hear too much goddamn time of it. it's bland rapids, and but I think that's like old older people who live okay. there for a long time, and they think like there's just not stuff out to do, and I'm like, so there's I mean there's stuff like there's that Ghost Walk tour that I had bought tickets to go to, but then I, unfortunately, I'm an idiot and realized I had a show and I couldn't go to, but I want to go do that, too. Like, I just think that would be interesting to do. Like Probably learn history about our town. Yeah, you're going to learn some stuff. And, like, my friend Jamie went and she did it, and uh, she was like, oh, yeah, this is, this. it was great. And she actually bought, they sold the book, and so she bought the book. And I'm like, why wouldn't I go? This is something like I didn't know what was going on, but through Facebook, right? Somehow I found it. So I'm like, go, go and support. Go to like Dog Story Theater or come to Doctor Grins or uh, God, I, I need to get a hold of the guy. There used to be this guy who would do like a moth thing. Are you familiar with a moth? The no. moth is like a storytelling series. Okay. And he used to do it over at um, the Speakeasy. And he would do it like once a month on like a Wednesday. Oh, never mind. I was thinking where you. Okay, yeah. I think it would, it's over off of. Yep. Monroe. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, and then once a month they would do this moth series, and it's essentially like okay, this this month's topic is uh, we're talking about picnics, and then everyone would come on stage, and then they would tell like uh, up to a six minute story of like 
picnics or they went with their parents and they did this or that or whatever. And it's just, that's weird shit. Right? <laughs> that's just weird. And these are like people who aren't, they're not professional speakers. Right. Uh, they aren't necessarily meant to be funny. It can, it can go in any just kind of direction. Sharing, so is, sharing common experiences. It is weird. And it was, it was very cool for me to go and watch and then I did a couple because I knew the guy who was running it, but he, I think he moved to Chicago, and I think that's why it hasn't been happening. But it up. Uh, he asked Adam, you know Adam? Adam Johnson? Red, redheaded familiar. guy, beard? Name sounds familiar. Uh, it was interesting. And they, I mean, there's other stuff happening over at uh, Stella's. Yep, the Drunken Retort. Yeah, the Drunken yep. Retort. And there's just, and, which unfortunately I've never been to. I haven't either. But, but I've uh, heard good things. I'm friends I with uh, some things. of those dudes, some and, of those people. And it's just. Uh, the fuse box. That's another one where these uh, these ladies are trying to do like some improv and sketch. And, and I haven't been over there, but I know they do some stuff at the uh, at dog store. So there's shit going on in this town. As I was gonna say, there's even comedy. I think on Wednesday nights at Mulligans. I think every like yeah, improv? they do some, uh, some like friends and family improv or something, something like that. And, yeah, and they do the comedy at Tip Top Lounge on Tuesday, yep. and they got the Holiday Bar on Mondays. So, I mean, there's stuff in this town. And so I just try to do as much as I can. I don't like staying at home. It's, it's weird because I'm not a people person. <laughs> people, people can go fuck themselves usually. But I, I, I like to be out if I can. Just like when I went to that stupid uh, that food truck rally. That sounded awesome. It was great. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it's we- weird venue choice. It, but It was a weird venue choice at the Speedway. And I wish they did everything on the track. That's I wish weird. they had done everything on like the on the lawn field. where it's not hot as balls. Well, not hot as balls, and everything is like together because like uh, we did a fucking like two oh, laps. Yeah, because you said it was like forty something. Eighty five. Jesus Christ! It was like eighty five food trucks is what they said. I don't know if they were all there, but so we had to do like two laps, and then we had to go. There were a couple like in the infield, but if they were all in the infield, it would have made it easier. But yeah, just go and do weird shit, right? As opposed to like I'm gonna stay at home and I want to watch fucking whatever on TV, right? Yeah. Too goddamn old. So I guess the, the the wrapping point is to uh, get out of your house, go experience life. Yeah. People are assholes. People are assholes. Uh, and, challenge uh, yourself. Jump out of an airplane. Don't be a dick. I think that's a good place to wrap. Thank you for your time. Thanks, John. Where can people find you? Uh, they can go to StuMcAllister.com, uh, at StuMcAllister on Twitter and Instagram, and like StuMcAllister1 on, on fa- the fan page. But StuMcAllister1? It, yeah, because it's... Because someone it was, had it? Because I'm Stu McAllister. Right. And then for the fan page, oh, okay. I had to make it Stu McAllister 1. And, I, and if people want to friend me, although do, I do have a thing of like like 12 people sitting on this friend request stuff. Well, yeah, because you brought uh, up a good point of how you do that, where it's like, if I can't write on your wall, if I can't yes. see shit, I'm just going to yes. fucking get rid of you. Yes, I get rid of you. <laughs> if I can't write on your wall, I'm going to get rid of you. Yeah, too much social media. Whatever. And then your podcast is uh, the Element. Jesus, you're right. Elemental podcast. Everybody, go check that out on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Castbox. You should put yours on Castbox. Too, I man. will. I will look into that. All right. Well, it was great talking to you. Thank right. you for your time. Yeah, and thanks, uh, it was good. Uh, hopefully, we can bullshit eventually again. Whatever you want, man. All right. Thanks. So that was my conversation with Stu McAllister. Going to keep this outro pretty quick since the whole interview as a as a whole kind of ran kind of long. Uh, if you would like to follow Stu McAllister, you can do such very simply from his website over at StuMcAllister.com. If you would like to follow his podcast page, you can do such on Facebook at Elemental Podcast. Uh, if you would like to follow Stu McAllister, you can do such at Stu McAllister. That's all one word, S-T-U-M-C-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R. 
And if you can follow Stu McAllister's podcast, the Elemental Podcast, once again, over on SoundCloud or on Cashbox. Castbox, I'm sorry, Castbox, uh, which I still don't have one. <laughs> uh, if you would like to follow me and give me some love on my socials, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod, or if you would like to email me, do such at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. Kind of had to rack my brain a little bit for this one for a song to play this episode out to. Uh, typically, I like to do something that's it's kind of more in line with the guest. I uh, didn't really want to pull a comedy thing because it's kind of hard to do just a little bit. Uh, so I think I decided to grab a song from someone that we talked about who was one of my co-workers, uh, Elroy Mel- Meltzer. And I didn't really know which song to grab, so I just kind of randomly grabbed something that sounded good off of uh, off of YouTube. And it was his song for Swans, which was a, a live recording from the WYCE radio station here in town uh, for Local Spins, which is a online music website type thing that uh, I contribute for as far as writing for reviews of shows and, and features on bands and so forth. So it kind of felt a little all-encompassing to keep it a little more locally themed putting the local spin on it as it were so without further ado this is Elroy Meltzer with Swans and I will talk to you next week thanks for listening